Blog Talk Radio. Montreal Canadian season in review. I'm your host, Chris G, where we'll be looking at as well to the Canadians off-season game plan, things to come in the off-season for the Montreal Canadiens. So my name is Chris G at Chris G1980, and this podcast is being recorded on Saturday, May 16, 2015. So if you're listening to us later on <laughs> during the off-season, and if we sound crazy, we, you might know it's because of uh, the date that this episode was recorded. Joining me for the next 60 minutes to help me look back and look ahead at the same time, Twitter handle is at Peter Galanos. Peter, how are you doing? I'm doing, Chris. I'm doing good, Chris. Thanks for having me. No problem. So if we start off with the Canadians in the regular season, they finished with a record of 50, 22, and 10. That's 110 points. First place in the Atlantic Division, second place in the entire NHL. And Peter, when the, the Montreal Canadiens, when we made our predictions at the beginning of the season, I thought the Canadians would be battling for one of the three slots in the Atlantic Division, but no way that I ever imagined them being in the second place in the entire NHL or even being in the top five across the NHL. So... I think we could say that they did a lot better than what we all expected. Yeah, I think our prediction uh, during uh, the uh, at the start of the season was that we expected them to uh, 
to fight for first place in the division with uh, Boston and Tampa Bay. I think we got the Tampa Bay part right. Just the Boston part was not uh, right. Uh, they just had an off season, so in that regards, we got it right. But uh, like you said, Chris, I never expected him to finish uh, second overall in the league. I mean, uh, we knew Montreal had a good team, but not second overall type. And another thing that surprised me was that they were pretty much battling for for first place in their division in the conference. And for the entire league, almost the entire season from game one to uh, to game 82. And if somebody's listening and you tell me that you expected that from the beginning of the season, I'm going to need some kind of proof because I, uh, I won't believe it. So with that finish, Canadians headed into the playoffs facing the Ottawa Senators. And the Canadians beat the Ottawa Senators... 4-2 to two. after taking a 3 nothing series lead. The Ottawa Senators, a reminder, were the hottest team heading into uh, the playoffs. They went on some crazy 25-game, 23 wins out of the last 25-game streak. And, well, I think a turning point in that series was the fact that the Ottawa Senators started Andrew Hammond in goal and keeping him for game number two. He allowed a lot of soft goals. And Peter, if we could easily say that if Craig Anderson would have started the series for the Ottawa Senators, uh, there's a good chance the Senators could have come up on top in that series. Oh yeah, and I even uh, I tweet I even tweeted that out. I mean, uh, as soon as Craig Anderson entered this series, this it took like a turn for. Uh, the momentum shifted towards Ottawa's favor, but it was too little too late. I think that if Anderson had played the, the first two games, uh, this would have been a totally different series. It would not have gone uh, the way it did, that's for sure. What's the important thing is the Canadians came out on top and headed into the second round to face the Tampa Bay Lightning. And we know what the whole context was around these two teams. The Lightning had won all five games in the regular season and relatively in an easy manner over the Montreal Canadiens. So everybody was panicking, even heading into the postseason. Nobody wanted the Canadiens to face the Tampa Bay Lightning. And well, as a result was that the Canadiens lost 4-2 after trading 3 nothing. So it was reversed from uh, the first series. They reversed the roles. Canadiens, after trading 3 nothing, they won two games and they made a series out of it. But in this series, the bounces didn't go into the Montreal Canadiens' favor. They got what? I think it was like 12 or 13 posts. Uh, three out of six games could have gone either way. But Peter, at the end of the day, when you're down 3 nothing, it's uh, there's a reason, I think, why it's been done only uh, four times in, uh, in, in hockey history. Yeah, well, it's funny because the Habs got, a bit, uh, got to taste a bit of their own medicine because in the first round... It was the opposite. Uh, they were up 3 nothing, And uh, then they were down 3 nothing against Tampa. So they got to feel both sides of it. So if you look at it, it's a learning experience, another learning experience for this squad. And uh, like you said, Chris, it's a, there's a reason why this has only happened, I think, four times in about 180-plus uh, opportunities. Uh, put the crunch the numbers and it's like about two percent. So when you put yourself in a situation like that, you know that uh, you pretty much know what the outcome will be. 
And that's how the Montreal Canadiens season uh, concluded. And we know that last year the Montreal Canadiens reached the conference final against the New York Rangers and were two wins away from making an appearance in uh, the Stanley Cup final uh, this year. They were out in the second round. And, well, like we mentioned, if Anderson would have been in goal, the result could have been different as well out in the first round. So, Peter, do you think it's a, it's a disappointment that the Canadians uh, with, with, the, with the results of, uh, of their season? Well, overall, I think they had a good season. Uh, as for the playoffs, I mean, I think it is a disappointment. I think expectations were that uh, this team uh, was good enough to make at least the conference finals. And I think they fell one round short. Uh, that's where my expectations were, at least. And uh, in that case, if you look at it that way, I think it was uh, the end result is a, a bit disappointing. Yeah, I'll agree with you. I think it's a, dis- it's a disappointment as well. If the Canadians would have had a major uh, injury, where let's say Carey Price got injured or Max Pacioretty got injured, and it didn't make it to the conference final, I probably would have given the Canadians a pass. But they're relatively healthy for most of the regular season and for the postseason. So them not making it to the conference final, to me, is a disappointment. I don't think the Canadians had a bad season because they, they did a lot of things good. We spoke about the regular season, 110 points, which is actually 10 points better than what they did last year. Last year, they finished with 100 points, so they did take a, uh, a step up. And still going back, Peter, to last year, if I ask you a question, uh, do you think the Canadians are, were a better team than they were last year? Um, to answer that, I'd say, uh, I'd say no, because uh, I preferred the team that we had, that the Canadians had at the playoffs, uh, when they lost to the Rangers, I think I would have taken uh, that roster a bit more than the current one that uh, they ended the season with. I think that uh, wherever we'll probably get into this a bit later, but a player like Thomas Vanek was, uh, I think, uh, a great support to a player like Max Pacioretty, and I think that's something that lacked uh, this year, and uh, it showed. On, on my end, I think overall, if we can, if we include the regular season as well, I think Canadians were uh, were better. Carey Price probably had the best season of his career, so he's um, he's better. PK Subban, I think, he had a better uh, a great season, better than last year. Uh, Max Pacioretty, he was as good like last year. He almost delivered 40 goals again. Plekanec in the regular season, I think, he was solid as well. And look at Dale Weiss, who last year, he, he was a trade deadline acquisition. This year, made some appearances in the in the top line, ended up with a plus 21. Like, can you ever imagine that Dale Weiss plus 21? I never expected him to be on the ice for 21 goals for the entire season. He ended up with a plus 21. And we also saw uh, Nathan Bollier and uh, Craig Patterson get better compared to uh, to last year. Let's hear what uh, Max Pacioretty thinks. Yeah. Um, great regular season. 
you know, uh, we had a great first round in the playoffs, and, and we even played some good hockey in the second round. So um, the guys are feeling the same way, that we're moving in the right direction. It's frustrating that, you know, this year wasn't the year and that our season's ended. But, uh, you know, going forward, we'll learn from, learn from this and get better from this. So Max Pacioretty thinks that the Canadians are heading in the, the right direction, which uh, which I tend to agree with him, but we'll get into more details on that uh, throughout uh, our uh, our episode. Let's hear now Carey Price talking about the season. Um, obviously, we uh, we accomplished a lot this year, winning 50 games. You know, we had a, we had a really fun year as, as a group, and you know, obviously we're a little disappointed with the way things ended. And uh, you know, I think we've uh, again we've gained a, a lot of experience. A lot of guys had really good years this year, and uh, we got a lot to look forward to next year. So, Kerry Price also thinking the team had a good year, but between. Uh, between all of us, uh, I'm not expecting them to say anything uh, different at uh, at the end of uh, the postseason. But we've talked a bit more, Peter, about uh, Carey Price. Uh, at the time now that we're recording this uh, podcast, we know he's going to win half of the Williams Jennings Trophy with uh, Crawford from the Chicago Blackhawks. He was nominated for the Hart Trophy, nominated for the Vezina Trophy, and he was nominated as well for the 10 Lindsay Award, which was the most valuable player as voted by uh, by the NHLPA. So Peter, Carey Price, wow, what a season. He had one of the greatest seasons uh, of all time for a goaltender. I mean, uh, leader in wins, I mean, uh, and in many other categories uh, in for goaltenders, I think, uh, I think the Vezina is in the bike, that's for sure. Uh, as for the other trophies, well, I think he's got a pretty good chance, I think. And if he doesn't get it this year, I don't know if he's ever going to win them, those trophies. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I think that the Vizina is in the bag. For some reason, the Hart Trophy, I think he deserves it. But for some reason, I have this feeling that maybe something's going to come up where they might go with an Ovechkin or somebody else. I'm not saying that would be the right choice, but it's just those kind of things that they might not want to give it to the same uh, goalie. I agree with you because it's also a trophy that's very, very rarely won by a goaltender, and I think that uh, they tend to uh, vote towards uh, play, other positions in the, from goalies, and uh, I think that might hurt him a bit. And another, with with the Canadiens' outcome where they lost in the second round, I think the bad part of it is that going forward, Carey Price had a historic season this year. When it comes to even a save percentage, goals against average, everything was through the roof for Carey Price. And I'm thinking next year, the only thing he could do is he could probably going to go down, right? How can we expect him to deliver, again, the same amount of victories on a consistent basis? And I'm not saying that Carey Price uh, will, will not perform, but you know there might be a key injury next year where... He'll need assistance, whether up front or on defense. So uh, next year, if he doesn't have a good of a season, we know how we get here in Montreal. We, there will be a, a fragment of uh, the fan base that will criticize Carey Price for uh, for not matching his uh, performance. An interesting stat, since 2004, no goalie 
has won 40-plus games and reached the Stanley Cup final. And in fact, I'll take that even more to one step further, only three of the 23 goalies made it past the second round. So it shows that, you know what, maybe these goalies that get all these wins, maybe they play a little bit too much in the regular season, and then they lose some uh, some juice when it comes in the postseason. And it's even possible, Peter, because we saw in that series against the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, Price played well, but he didn't steal uh, any game. Yeah, and, ten, and usually goalies that do get 40-plus wins are goalies that always play 65 to 70 games, I'd say. So that's a big workload for uh, for goaltender for a goaltender, and uh, you know, a question of fatigue, like you say, uh, is uh, always uh, a, a big possibility when it comes to uh, the playoff time. So Carey Price, 44 wins in the regular season, finished with a goals against average of 196, save percentage of 933, and a, a total of nine shutouts. We're going to take our first break. On the other side, will Alex Gelchenyuk ever play at center? We'll talk about that and more. This is the Habs 360 podcast featured on allhabs.net. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. If you missed a recent episode of the Habs 360 podcast, search Habs 360 on allhabs.net or on iTunes for the archives. Want to make sure you never miss another episode? Subscribe to Habs 360 on iTunes and all new episodes will automatically download for you. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information about this unique marketing opportunity. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas. Sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, Visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. This is the Habs 360 podcast, featured on allhabs.net. 
um, obviously with the season, I think I, I improved a lot as a player from the, my first two years, and uh, I learned a lot of things uh, on and off the ice, and uh, I think it's a step in the right direction, and uh, got to rest up now. Obviously, it's a tough ending, uh, you want to finish, but... Uh, Stuff like stuff like that happens, and uh, it's unfortunate. But you gotta you gotta bounce back stronger next year, and um, you gotta get a rest. And uh, ex- excited to start a new season. So that was Alex Galchenyuk following uh, the post mortem, giving his thoughts on the season. Alex Galchenyuk finished with uh, 20 goals, 26 assists, so makes 46 points in 80 games played in uh, the regular season. He also collected. He scored one goal in uh, the playoffs, but I think one thing that we're going to remember is the fact that in his last, I would say about 30 games played, including the playoffs, he only scored uh, two goals. So it was a big focus, and well, even at the conclusion of the season, the big question was, Galchenyuk, does he have a future as a centerman, as a left winger? Let's hear what Galchenyuk had to say, and then we'll hear from Mark Bergeron. Put me in center, I play center. I mean, it doesn't. I guess it doesn't matter how many times I answer this question, and I understand that. But uh, at the end of the day, I put me in center. I gotta play center. I gotta be the best that I can be at that position. Put me on wing. I gotta. I gotta help the team win on the wing, and uh, it's to be honest, as simple as that. Michelle. Well, I didn't put a time frame when Alex, but just so you know. Uh, halfway through this junior, last junior in Sarnia, he was moved to the wing. So, uh, and he's comfortable on the wing. So, again, uh, as we speak today, he's not a full-time centerman. Will he be? Time will tell. Uh, right now, uh, he's personally, I think he's more, he, you know, he's more comfortable on the wing. But at the end of the day, I, I can tell you exactly when or if he will be a centerman. All right, so we know how this whole Alex Galchenyuk situation at center went throughout the season. It started off in the preseason where Bergevin told Bob McKenzie in an interview that they're going to experiment Galchenyuk at center in the preseason and and see how it goes from there. But even before the beginning of the regular season, Galchenyuk was already back on on the wing. During the season, he started off the season playing on the left side, we even saw him, he made an appearance playing on the right wing for uh, for one game. Then in early December, Lars Zeller got injured. And, well, the Canadians took the opportunity to move Alex Galchenyuk to uh, center for... It ended up being a total of 14 games. And during that span, he collected four goals, uh, six assists, so 10 points. And then after that, after I would say about maybe three, four, a handful of uh, bad games for Galchenyuk at center. He was moved back to the wing for the rest of the season. And Peter, if we listen to the clip, to the words of uh, Mark Bergevin, the way he sounded, it doesn't sound like they're hoping or that they want Galchenyuk to to play center again. It is a little um, confusing a bit because uh, when they originally drafted him, it, w- it was with the intention of uh, playing at center, and I think that they they don't want to pressure him into that position. Uh, it is a very tough position, but the problem with the Canadians is uh, number one, I never agreed with the decision they took 
to uh, bring him in uh, year one right away with the big club instead of spending uh, that season in the American Hockey League instead. So that might play a role as well also. I mean, he could have had a lot of learning experience that first season in the American Hockey League playing the centerman position. But was he was he eligible that year for AHL or would he have to go back to the juniors, if I remember correctly? Whether whether it's the one case or the other, I think that he needed more uh, a, a bit more preparation before coming to the NHL level. I think they rushed him into it, and you know maybe we're seeing the effects of that now. You know, so and I think for this team to move on, I think eventually that Galchenyuk has to be one of the centermen on the top two lines. I think the reason why they don't want to rush him right now is because next year they still have a certain Thomas Plekanic who's still under contract. They have David Dernay who's still under contract and they still have Lars Eller who's under contract. So the Canadians have a lot of centermen under contract right now. And that's why I don't think they see the rush to put Alex Galchenyuk in a top six role as a centerman. And uh, Mark Benjamin was questioned a lot by the reporters who attended the uh, the post-mortem press conference on how will Galchenyuk uh, learn how to play center if he doesn't get the opportunity to play center. And Mark Benjamin, he was really focused on saying, well, we're here to win games, <laughs> so and that they were sort of weren't here to uh, to develop. And they think that Galchenyuk has to show some more skills it's and the argument has always been for his defensive play that they want him to improve his defensive play before they put him on center. So they want him to show it playing on the wing before they gave him the shot to uh, to play center. And Peter, one thing that's interesting to uh, to keep in mind as well, at least uh, at the time that we're, we're recording this podcast here on uh, on Saturday, May fifth, May sixteenth, is. Alexey Galchenyuk is a restricted free agent, so there's a contract negotiation that's coming up in uh, the off season. When we heard the things that uh, Bergevin said during the, the post mortem, do you think anything had to do with uh, the fact that they're in the process of negotiating a new contract? There always is, even though they don't want to admit it. There always is, but uh, I think that uh, as much as some people are saying that Jeff Petrie might be a priority, and we'll get to that later on the show. I think that the number one priority for the Canadians right now is to sign Alex Galchenyuk and to try to get the best deal available for him. And uh, I think they also need to sell him on what the plan is with him, and hopefully that this is what he agrees with as well. Because this situation has a lot of similarities in what we had seen with uh, with P.K. Subban a couple of years ago, where prior to P.K. Subban signing his contract, it was we would rarely hear Michel Terrier throw uh, flowers, like they say, to uh, P.K. Subban saying how good of a player he is, etc. Remember all the criticism that was going for uh, towards Michel Terrier when he was coming to the Social Olympics? But then once the contracts were signed, it's almost on a daily basis. Every question that you ask to Terry about P.K. Subban, it's almost positive every every single time. So going back, Peter, to um, 
was Galchenyuk. Uh, bridge contract is it uh, a long-term extension? Just based on what we've been hearing, I think it looks like they might uh, will go with a bridge contract for uh, for Galchenyuk. What do you think? I think the Canadians are headed towards that as well, but. Personally, I think after the way things turned out with P.K. Subban, where they're paying him an insane amount of money right now, if I were them, I would try to go for the big contract right now, like a seven- or eight-year contract, and try to get him at a reasonable cap hit, a cap-friendly contract. But because by going through the same process like P.K. Subban, you're taking a big risk. What if Galchenyuk ends up being uh, a prolific point uh, scorer in the next couple of seasons? You're going to get the same problem like you did with P.K. Subban. And uh, I'm not saying he's going to be making $9 million a year, but you're going to have to overpay to keep him. And my strategy would be to try to sign him long term. And what about uh, the center position? Right now, you mentioned the centers earlier that, that the Canadians have. So in going into the 2015-2016 season, do we still see the same uh, Plekanec, Dernay, Eller as your your top three centers? Personally, if uh, if that's how the Canadians start off the season or go most of the season that way, I think we're going to expect the same results uh, one year from, uh, from right now. I, I agree. I mean... Uh... If the if the Canadians start this, take the decision to start off once again with their centermen being David Dearnet, Thomas Plekanec, Lars Eller, and doesn't matter who's on the fourth uh, line center, but uh, we're gonna end up with the same end result, which is a team that's not gonna make it to the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, this is my uh, prediction from right now. Uh, I think the ideal situation would be to try to trade uh, a Thomas Plekanec, who's got only one year left in his contract. It's a $5 million cap hit. I think it's a pretty reasonable cap hit for a team that might be looking for uh, a second-line centerman, maybe an elite team that might be looking for a second-line centerman that could help them uh, get that extra push or even... Adam has more depth as a third-line centerman because I think he'd be a more effective third-line centerman on a very deep team. Uh, example, like the Chicago Blackhawks. I, you know, I'm just throwing that out there. You know, I'm just trying to give an example. I'm not saying they will trade him to Chicago. But Are you starting the Patrick Sharpie? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just giving an example like that, you know, because a centerman like David Dearnay has two more years left on his deal. He's got a $3.5 million cap hit on it. Uh, but he's a very small forward. He's not a good all-around forward uh, centerman like Thomas Plekanec is, and his value is uh, zero or even below zero. Uh, personally, that's what I believe around the NHL. So, And that's when I would make the move for uh, and give Galchenyuk one of the top two spots on the team at center. Lars Eller, following uh, what the garbage bag day, he was asked if he liked his role with the Montreal Canadiens. His response is very interesting. Let's uh, take a listen. 
Um, <laughs> as a player, you uh, you always want more. Uh, you're never satisfied. You always you always want to play more. You always want uh, to take another step. And uh, I'm still hungry to improve. So that wasn't a technical difficulty. It took him 12 seconds before the first words came uh, came out of his mouth. So clearly, he either didn't want to. Uh, he, he he's either not happy with his current role, or he was really trying to be careful with uh, with the words that he used. And from the from going to back and looking at the centers, I agree with you, Peter, that if there's one center that the Canadians can move the easiest, it is Thomas Plekanec because there's only one year left on his contract, so the risk isn't uh, isn't as big as somebody like David Dernier who has a, a couple of years left in his contract. So then, Peter, let's say you remove Thomas uh, Plekanec from uh, the picture. In, who are, how do you see your centers? Does Galchenyuk take uh, the number one role? Well, if you're assuming Plekanec is not there, yes, Galchenyuk goes one and Dejarne goes two. After that, with my, then I'd have Lars Zeller at three. And... Uh, Whatever. It doesn't really matter for four right now, but... Yeah, but then we'll see Jacob De La Rosa. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for it. So we're going to go back to the forwards uh, and scoring in a couple of minutes here on uh, Habs 360. Well, let's move on now and talk about a, a couple of uh, defensemen. And let's begin with uh, with Jeff Petrie. Um, you know, it's something that, you know, it's been talked about for, you know, a while now, um, you know, in Edmonton and here and um you know it's something that you know I gotta gotta think about um you know all all the different scenarios but you know I'm not um not gonna make a bad decision you know in the next couple of days here yes he is I mean he we're very happy we're pleased the way he performed for us he he, he plays some big minutes uh I've watched him closely uh I know his strength and, and I think he fits perfect for our team and obviously he will be a priority to, to bring back in Montreal. So we heard the intentions of uh, on both sides of this uh, contract negotiation. Jeff Petrie, he was a, I think it was a great acquisition by the Canadians at uh, the trade deadline. He had a great playoff run. He was probably the Canadians, you know, either first with uh, with uh, PK Subban or whatever first second you could interchange them. But they were definitely the two best defensemen in uh, the post. Uh, season and pure, uh, especially if Jeff Petrie resigns with uh, Montreal, what a great deal by Mark Bergevin at uh, trade deadline. Definitely, I think uh, that was by far his uh, best acquisition at the trade deadline this season. Uh, he addressed a need uh, on defense that was uh, desperately needed, uh, another player to complement uh, Subban and Markov, and that acquisition of Petrie was just uh, tremendous, and uh, it paid a lot of dividends. He played very well. Uh, I have nothing but uh, uh, great things to say about Petrie. I have nothing negative against him, and I'd have no problem if the Canadians re-signed him and for him to come back with the Canadians. Yeah, so we, we, if he resigns, he's probably going to get like at least five, 
five or six year contract and probably between five and six million per uh, per year as well. So we'll uh, so we'll touch about that in a couple of seconds. But there was more news on a defensive side of uh, of the Canadians roster. Let's hear from Nathan Boyer and Mark Bergevin. Um, you know, I, I felt like I had, you know, finally established myself as an NHLer. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of feel like I've figured out the league now. And, uh, you know, now it's time for me to, you know, show more of my game what I can do um, once I got my feet wet. So uh, it, was, it was a very good year for me to, you know, break through. And uh, uh, I'm happy with the way it went. Uh, I wouldn't say he took a step back. I would say the other two took a step forward. But uh, Jared is still a big part of this team. Uh, he's a... Uh, Still, I mean, he got hurt at the end. Uh, I don't think he might have got hurt. He, he might have been hurt for a while. He just didn't feel comfortable. Uh, but he's a, you know, he's still, a, you know, big defenseman that skates and play with an edge. They're they're really hard to get, and uh, he, he fits that mold. It's just that some guys take a little more time, and uh, he, he looks like it's the case with Jared. But he's a, he's a part of his team moving forward. Yes. So Mark Bergevin is there talking about uh, Jared Snorty, and well. This is how it pretty much worked all season. At the beginning of the season, the intention was on uh, Bowyer and uh, Tenorti, saying that these are the two players that the Canadians, the defensemen of the Canadians, the two studs that they've been looking for. But Mark Bergevin kept reminding everybody about uh, Craig Patterson. He kept saying, don't forget about him. He's a good defenseman as well. Both Bowyer and Tenorti, they had some ups and downs. In the beginning of the season, they're getting interchanged. Who was going to Hamilton? Who was getting called up? And even at one point where Jared Tenorti was uh, down with the Bulldogs, we had Terry Pekoski from the Hamilton Spectator here on Habs 360, and she was telling us that, you know what? Tenorti, he's not playing that good in uh, with, the, with the Bulldogs, and she wasn't surprised that he hasn't been called up by the Montreal Canadiens. And we know that his season ended with uh, with an injury, so he wasn't even part of the Black Aces. But by the end of the season, it looked like Nathan Bowyer uh, pretty much locked himself a regular spot with the, the team. And we also saw Craig Patterson, who was getting lots of action in the, at the end of the regular season down the stretch and in the postseason. And in fact, he actually looked pretty good in the, the postseason. And well, Jared Tenorti still down with uh, with the Bulldogs. So Peter, what happens next season? Because next season, if uh, whether it be Bowyer, whether it be Tenorti, whether it be Patterson, the Canadians, if they want to send one of these guys down to uh, to the Bulldogs, they're gonna have to go through uh, through waivers. So we already know it's announced by Mark Bergevin that he informed. Mike Weaver and Sergey Gonchar that they'll be out, so they're not out of the picture. So, do we already know who are seven, who the seven defensemen are for next season? <laughs> well, Chris, I just want to make reference to his uh, end of season presser where he said that uh, to make easy trades, you you can do that on PlayStation, but not in real life. Uh, when asked about acquiring a, def- a, a number one centerman. Uh, I wanted to make reference to that before. He said I'd have to give up a carrier price, which is obviously not the case, but that's another topic for later, whatever. Uh, meaning that 
just from the answer he gave you, you just have the philosophy of uh, Mark Bergevin, which is he doesn't want to give up much to get something in return. So if I look and he said that one of the things is internally. So with that being said, I think if you look at the situation right now, I think with Markov and Subban, I'm not making the pairings. I'm just going to name them off uh, off the top of my head there. We've got Subban, Markov, Emlyn, and Gilbert that are two, two spots that are available. So to fill up the six and seven spot. But then the question that arises is, how do you sign Jeff Peterson? He kept referring to didn't know what the salary cap figure was. And I think I think you can move Alexi Emelin. Alexei Emelin is not a finished player. He's still a very effective defenseman. Yeah, so he's definitely much easier to trade than somebody like uh, like Andre Markov, who has uh, two years left with with a five point seventy five million dollar cap hit. And honestly, I think and it's a question of age also for Markov. Yeah, we saw it in the postseason that it seemed he told us that he wasn't injured, but we, if he wasn't, his game was definitely a uh, a step back. And I think Jared Tenorti, I think he's a much, uh, he's a cheaper version of, Al, of Alexi Emelin. So I think that makes him expendable. And I think Craig Patterson is also good when it comes to adding physicality to uh, to, to the team. So I think, you know, Alexi Emelin will probably be trade bait or maybe even one of those youngsters, maybe Tenorti. Uh, maybe part of the tribute. Maybe he was not happy with the way he was uh, handled by the organization. Before I was talking about Alex Galchenyuk being an RFA, I think another interesting thing that will happen during the off season is that the Montreal Canadiens. That's why for. He got a new chance with uh, with another team, so that's why I think Jared Tenor in the roster that you mentioned, Peter, the only veteran defenseman is Sergey Mark uh, Sergey Markov, Andre Markov, and what Tom Gilbert. So I think they'll be looking to maybe at one point adding another veteran defenseman as somebody a cheap. A veteran defenseman to the roster, so I think one of these guys, it's uh, we might not see him in Montreal for too long. Either that or a Jeff Petrie, like we've been talking about as well. Also. Yeah, yeah, as well. And you know, PK Subban is a young veteran as well. He's not a Sergey Gontra type of veteran, but he definitely is a, um, a veteran as well. But one thing's for sure, like you say, Chris, just to conclude, Jared Tenordi could be part of that trade bait as well that the Canadians uh, might have during the off season. I think the fact that he's on RFA, uh, 
hasn't played much in the NHL, so any team that acquires him won't have to pay him a uh, big amount of money. Uh, so combine that with Alexei Emelin, and Thomas Plekanec, those are the three teams we've thrown out there for now that I think we've both agreed that could be interesting trade bait. Uh, uh, Tenordi will probably resign with the Canadians because to get traded, he'll have to have a contract uh, resigned. So he'll probably get resigned, and then I think there's a good chance that we see Jared Tenordi head off to another organization. All right, we're going to take a break on the other side. The coach and the GM took a lot of heat at the end of the season. We'll talk about that and more on the other side. This is the Habs 360 podcast featured on allhabs.net. Want the latest Habs news with game reviews, reviews, and highlights? Tell about full coverage of development camps and special events. Looking to follow the Hamilton Bulldogs more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got everything you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. Habs 360 is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. The RSM mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com Don't live close to Montreal? Ever feel like you're the only Habs fan in town? Chances are good that there are plenty of If you're interested in hosting a hockey party in your city, visit HabsTweetUp.com for more details. You'll be connected to other Habs fans near you in no time. Just l'idée, l'idée de penser. On the Saturday, find the date that uh, this episode was recorded, and we just heard in French. This was from the post mortem, where in the first clip, Michel Bergevin was asking, "Who are those people?" and he was asking the reporters in the room. Who's, was anybody there who's doubting the work that uh, the coach did? And, well, obviously, nobody stood up. 
And then in the second clip, he was quite adamant and he provided his support to uh, to Michel Terrier and the work that he's done. And in fact, he also added some statistics that I didn't add, that we didn't play here on the clip. And obviously, it was only stats that were showing in the favor of uh, Michel Terrier to, uh, to make him look good as well. And well, the criticism for Michel Terrier has been over the lack of scoring, uh, the defensive system that's being implemented, and the way that Michel Therrien handles the youngsters. And the question that was asked at the, uh, the, the post-mortem was because during the playoff run, during the Tampa Bay series, over on the TSN radio on the Leafs lunch, they, they, they had a whole show where they were asking whether or not the Canadians will hire a unilingual uh, Mike Babcock on, on, uh, as, a, as a head coach. So I'm not sure what they're doing in Leafland. I guess they had nothing better to do, obviously, because the Leafs season has been over since uh, January, and they're starting to cause, they try to cause trouble here in Montreal. So, you know, Leafs mind your own business over there in uh, Toronto. Uh, a couple more stats I wanted to add is in the last three seasons combined, Montreal has scored four more goals than the Detroit Red Wings, and the Canadians have actually gone further in in the postseason. Obviously, this is compared to the Detroit Red Wings because a lot of talk has been on around Mike uh, Babcock. I've been on record before saying that Michel Therrien should not be fired, and as well, he's done what he's supposed to do. I, I'm happy that Michel Bergevin uh, stood up for the coach Michel Terry's job is to win games, and that's all the Canadians have done since he's been the, the, the head coach. They finished first place in the conference. They finished first place in the division. They made an appearance in the conference final. They were last season against the Rangers. The Canadians played almost the entire series against the Rangers with their backup goalie, Dustin Tokarski, and they were two wins away from making it to uh, the Stanley Cup final. Is the way the Canadians played the most exciting or the most entertaining? No, it's not. But we're happy when a team wins games, whether it be one goal games, two goal games, doesn't matter. Carey Price is part of the team, just like any other player is. So why hold that against that to um, to uh, Michel Therrien? Like he's part of the team as anybody else. Peter Honjorens. Uh, I know Michel Therrien has gotten a lot of critique. Uh, what have you thought about his uh, overall work? Do you think it's justified that there's a lot of people in the, in the, in the Habs fans, some members of the media, who are calling for the coach's head? Yeah, well, look, like you said, it's a you know I don't want to repeat what you said, Chris. It's just uh, you know the guys had success. Were we fans of the decision when it was? A guy's done as as good as he just don't like maybe uh, his coaching style, but it doesn't matter. This team is summer, and it's a four-year contract, and there's.
guarantee for something. And can you blame Michel Terrier for playing a defensive? I don't want to put Terry. I don't want to blame Terry because he's doing uh, what the best he can with what he's got under his hand. And I'll come to that later when it's time to talk about Mark Berzevin. But if you look at the roster right now, what it looks like temporarily off season before draft, before uh, July first. Well, this is pretty much the roster that they had for the season, right? Well, the yeah, top six? I, I'm just going with, I've eliminated all the UFA players, and I'm going with who they have under contract with adding a few players that are RFA. So basically we're looking at uh, Plekanic as your number one center, let's say Dearnay, Plekanic and Dearnay as your centers, Eller as your third line center, earlier, like we said, Plekanec is probably number two or maybe number three center on a really good team. Dernay, is he a number two, or number one or number two center on any team besides Montreal? Probably not. Pierre Paranto, last year when the Canadians acquired Pierre Paranto, Patrick was said this because, well, we don't see him in our top six forwards, so that's why we got rid of him for, for Briere. Gallagher, great player, right? Lots of heart. Is he a number one right winger? On his um, at his right role is Max Pacioretty, and assuming he plays Wayne Galchenyuk as a number two, the other four, and you know what Gallagher, you could probably put him as a second line right winger. So then we'll say three out of the six players are actually true top six forwards. That's it. And if you if if this team wants to become a Stanley Cup contender during the off season, from what we've seen here. Chris a number one right winger, and you need to acquire uh, a centerman who can play on the top two lines and eliminate either Dearnay or Plekanic from the equation. That would be the ideal situation during the If you want this team to be a Stanley Cup contender, if you want them just to have another good regular season and maybe a second round hopeful uh, run in the playoffs, this is the team you're going to get starting next season. Yeah, so when you look at the roster, uh, I don't blame Michel Tanya for playing a defensive style, and I don't think you can blame him for the lack of the top six forwards. When when somebody's struggling or somebody's injured, he's going to be forced to bring Dale Weiss back in the top uh, in the top six. So I don't know, but that to me is not the responsibility of, uh, of Michel Tanya or anybody's had uh, any any head coach. The only decent line combination that I've seen that we've done here is the third line, uh, the third line where we have a uh, Lars Eller centering a Brendan Prust and a Deal Weiss. I think that could be a very effective line on this team, but they need to have better players on the top six to uh, fill those roles. Yeah, and in general, you know how we are uh, in Montreal. We used to blame Jacques Martin when he was the head coach. 
And we blame Randy Kindworth, and now we're blaming uh, Michel Terrier. At one point, you have to look either at the players, you have to look at the GM, etc., for, for everybody to do uh, their part as well. Uh, well, my reality, it might not be the same as the PlayStation that I play at night, you know. Uh, I did play last night. I made a trade, and I called the uh, GM this morning, and he hung up the phone on me. So to get that top center, uh, I'd love to get him, but it's not... It's, I don't see them getting traded. I think the last one was probably Joe Thornton. Uh, our power play did struggle. Uh, finished, I think, 23rd in the league. Uh, in the playoff, you know, we, we got better. We were 16th in the league. But there's only 16 teams. <laughs> so that's a positive. 15, okay. So uh, so there's some, there's some progress there. But, uh, you know, we'll meet with the coaches now. Acquire players via the the PlayStation. We're also going to talk about the, the power play, which we'll talk about in a second. Here's one more clip of Bergevin talking about acquiring a score because I think me and Peter and everybody. And would I love to add a 25 goal score, 30? I would love to. But they, they, they're not around. They, they're just not available. It's just, just the way it works. So, yes, we're, we're, we, we have some good young players that, you know, Sherback, you know, is, is an offensive player. Charlie Udon had a good season. Andre Gatto, there's a whole bunch of them. So, hopefully, there's one of these guys who will rise and, and, and make, take that spot. So, also at, at the uh, post-season uh, press conference, Bergevin said that uh, the scoring wasn't an issue, and that's not what they lost, why they lost against Tampa Bay Lightning. I think for everybody else, it was pretty evident that scoring uh, was uh, was an issue. So throughout, Peter, in our episode today, we spoke about a couple of uh, trade baits. So we spoke about maybe Aplikainet, uh we spoke about uh, Emlyn, we spoke about uh, Tenorti, do you think the Canadians, with these type of players, have enough maybe to go out and acquire a, uh, a top six forwards or a centerman or whatever to address one of the Canadians' needs? I, I think they do. I think that... Uh, but you know what, Chris? You just need to get creative a bit, you know? I mean, uh, look at the Dallas Stars when they acquired Tyler Seguin. I mean, they, they didn't have to give up a Carey Price type of player like Mark Berzevay is saying, you know, these trades can happen. You just got to get a little creative and take a risk. I mean, I understand his philosophy about building the team internally with young players, but sometimes when you have a team that's good enough to go far and reach the finals, and they gave up player and Anthony declared they gave up uh, a draft pick and they went on the acquire you are listening this I'm pretty sure they're going to be in the Stanley Cup finals and maybe even win the Stanley Cup you know that's you know, they didn't uh, hesitate to make a risk like that. And I think that Bergeron lacks that. Uh, he's so afraid to give up on a young player. I think with recent memory of 
the Canadians giving up on Ryan McDonough and I think and like people haven't just uh, doesn't want to take that risk where eventually we say, Oh Berzami, I can't believe you traded uh Sherback or McCarran or whatever, you know, I don't I'm just naming some names there. trade deadline the week and ever since the week after the trade deadline and even towards the playoffs uh, my belief was that the Canadians needed absolutely a top six winger to make a good run in the playoffs my prediction was they were going to lose in the second round to the Tampa Bay Lightning after they did not acquire a top six forward and that's exactly what happened like Yarmir Yager, who had a great end of regular season and who's in the World Hockey Championships right now and is just uh, kicking butt, you know, and playing great. So, And the Canadians do have those youngsters that you're talking about to you know, be what, maybe they'll go, you're not get much just for De La Rose. Plekanec, He's somebody towards the end of his career, so you're not going to get much of a return for him. I think Patretti's out of the question. Gallagher's out of the the question as well. But on defense, there's Emlin, who's relatively young. There's Tenorti. There's Boyer. There's Paterin. With a combination of these guys, I think you can make something interesting in acquiring a, um, a, a top six and maybe at the same time get the veteran defenseman that uh, Mark Bergevin and Michel this season probably even goes back to uh, last season as uh, as well. So, Peter, before we're talking about uh, Michel Therrien supporting uh, Michel Therrien, and he, he seemed very passionate that uh, Michel Therrien will uh, be back. But when it comes to power play, uh, I'm not sure if uh, he supported actually the entire coaching staff. Um, if Daniel Lacroix is in charge of uh, the, the power play, then I'm thinking maybe when it comes to the power play, something needed to be done and maybe letting go of the assistant coach Daniel Lacroix would have been an option and looking for elsewhere because even in the postseason, the power play was what, like two for thirty-six or whatever, which is what, like five percent. If they went even up to ten percent or fifteen percent, it could have made a huge difference, and the Canadians would have advanced at least to the to the conference final. So, what else can the Canadians do to uh, to fix the power play? I think it's a question of. Uh... You know, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think PK said it, that their power play had become a bit too predictable, and I think he's right. I mean, there was often, uh, I mean, the number one uh, play was always to try to set up Subban at the point for the big shot, and I think it got a bit too predictable. And I don't know if it was coming from the coaching staff as uh, a strategy to always have PK uh, do that or whatever other strategies there were. I think it's a question of uh, maybe trying to make too much structure on the power play. And I think, uh, I think when the power play, when a team is on the power play, 
I think you have to get let the players loose and let their creativity take over. And, you know, I think a, an assistant coach should be there maybe just to fine-tune some things and not necessarily make it an X's and O's and this is how you have to absolutely do it because it becomes too predictable and in the end, you get the result that you get. Well, as a player, I, I never focus on the word transition because I, I really don't know what that means. Every year, I feel I have an opportunity to win a Stanley Cup. So, as a player, my job is, is not to, I mean, am I supposed to come in the next year and say, well, it's a transition year, so, you know, we're just going to see how it goes. Like, it's it's not the mentality you want to have. So, as a player, your job is to maximize your potential, and as a team, your job is to maximize your potential and, and trying to achieve as much as you can in a season. And ultimately, our goal is to win a Stanley Cup. So, um, that's my focus. So there's a P.K. Subban who said that he didn't know what transition year means, but uh, Bergevin did clarify that it was a transition in uh, leadership. So for the Canadians this year, the entire season, they went with uh, four assistant captains, Plekanec, Markov, Subban, and uh, Max Pacioretty. Uh, heading into next season, do you think the Canadians will name one of them as a captain? Uh, my, my gut feeling says they will name a captain. I think that, uh, I, I have nothing against the way they did things this year. I totally agreed with, uh, what they did. I think it was a good idea. And, um, my gut feeling says that they will name a captain next year. And if I had to pick, I think, uh, the Canadians are headed towards, uh, Max Pacioretty. Yeah, I'll agree. I think he's, he's a player that besides... One thing for sure is it won't be Markov and it won't be Plekanet. It would be, it would be between um, Pacioretty and P.K. Subban. But I got to tell you, especially in the postseason, I was impressed with Brendan Gallagher as well, who's never never took a shift off through the entire postseason and probably not even either during the, uh, the regular season. I know that uh, he won't be the next captain, but I think it's very possible that he'll get maybe an A. Uh, to start off, um, to start off the next uh, season. So hopefully, or maybe we'll we'll know at the golf tournament uh, next season. But in the pre- in the press conference, Michel Bergevin said that you know we're in no hurry. He he was satisfied with the team's leadership group, and we'll see how things go. But between all of us, we all know who the real captain of the Canadians is. It's a goaltender, uh, Carey Price. Yeah, and I think that. If uh, I think the only reason why the Canadians might not consider that is because of what happened with uh, Luongo when he was named captain of the Canucks. I think they didn't like uh, that. That didn't really work out. And it's not because it's Luongo's fault that he's not a leader. I think they experimented, they tried, they didn't like it. And Captain, but I agree with you, Chris. I think that if we really wanted to pick uh, with a goalie included, I think Carey Price would definitely deserve it. But I'm going the traditional way. That's why I'm heading for uh, Max Pacioretty. Well, and with that, this will conclude season number five of uh, the Habs 360 podcast. There was a lot of negativity around the team as of the trade deadline. 
even though the Canadians finished with 110 points in the regular season. That is, in fact, 10 points more than last season and placed them first in the Atlantic Division and second overall in the NHL. I agree that it's disappointing that the Canadians weren't able to reach the conference final. Does that mean Jeff Molson or Mark Bergevin should clean house? The Canadians lost against a good Tampa Bay team in a series that could have easily been 4-2 in favor of the good guys. A struggling Alex Galchenyuk and with an obvious lack of a top six forward. Imagine the potential of this team if at least one of those needs is addressed during the offseason. The Canadians have the best goalie, a Norris Trophy winner, and a 35-plus goal scorer on the roster. If the fans can identify these needs, the Canadians management team identified them a long time ago. Bergevin and his team will work on addressing these needs during the offseason. Like Mark Bergevin mentioned in his post-mortem press conference, in the NHL, it's not as easy as it is on PlayStation to address needs. The Canadians have a solid management team with lots of experience that will work hard during the offseason to make the team better and take steps towards the right direction, which is a drive for 25. Montreal Canadiens fans should look forward for things to come in the upcoming seasons. We had great guests throughout the season that brought us closer inside the Canadiens dressing room and many experts have provided their insight on the team and the game of hockey. They include, but not limited, to Dave Randorf and John Bartlett from Rogers Sportsnet and TSN's John Liu and Chris Cuthbert. If you missed any of our episodes, please search Habs360 on allhabs.net or on iTunes for our archives. We would like to thank our various sponsors, such as Tavern Gaspar, Framework Sports Marketing, and R2Canvas.com, who supported us and allowed you, our listeners, to win great prizes during the 2014-2015 season. I would also like to thank the AllHabs.net team for their support. On a weekly basis, my co-hosts Peter and Rick Stevens made hosting this podcast easy. Thank you very much, Peter. Thank you, Chris. Thank you very much as well to Rick. Both your contributions throughout the season were greatly appreciated. You can follow Peter on Twitter at Peter Galanos, and you can follow Rick at all underscore Habs. Most importantly, we would like to thank you, our listeners, for your support. The Canadian season on the ice may have concluded, but there is plenty of action going on during the off-season. You can follow Habs360 on Twitter and visit allhabs.net for all your Montreal Canadiens news. I'm Chris G. You can follow me on Twitter at ChrisG1980. It was fun. Enjoy the off-season. And, well, go Habs, go. Take care, everybody. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Habs360 and visit allhabs.net.